0: This is the FM Gold Channel of All India Radio. In the program Spotlight, we now bring you a discussion on Pradhan Mantri, Avas Yojana, Urban. The participants are Dr. Kirit S. Parikh, former Niti Ayog member and Shantanu Pratap Singh, AIR correspondent.
1: The Union Minister of the State for Housing and Urban Affairs, Sri Hardeep Singh Puriji, today announced that out of a validated demand of 1.12 crore houses in urban areas, 1 crore houses have been sanctioned under the PM Awas Yojana Urban. What do you think in terms of how the scheme has been effective in urban areas and do you think we are closer to the target of housing for all under PM Awas Yojana Urban?
0: I think one of the characteristics, I would say, of the Prime Minister Modi's governance, you could say, has been that he takes very ambitious targets and to aim to provide everyone a pakka house by 2022 is certainly an ambitious target. And what is also amazing is that I think significant progress has been made in this. One crore has been sanctioned. Of course, there is a difference between sanction and construction completed, but I think we can see that an appropriate action is taken. This can be constructed in time also. I consider this is a very important period because housing is a very critical requirement for everyone. Even the next generation, the children, their studies and other things are greatly affected if they have a stable house which they can call their own and they have a place, a little corner in which they can study and so on. So I consider this is an extremely important element of human well-being and the Prime Minister has targeted it in an effective way. Earlier also we had schemes. We had Indira Gandhi housing scheme or Rajiv Gandhi housing scheme was there. But of course the ambition wasn't there and I hope that it really reaches those who really deserve to get those houses.
1: You've mentioned previous schemes. So one of the statistics that was mentioned in the press conference was how the PM Avas Yojana has achieved 10 times more than its predecessor the JNNURM in just 4.5 years. So do you think that that is partly because of the flexibility that the scheme allows in terms of financing housing and development projects?
0: Yeah, I think one part is that. The other thing is that it has been somewhat decentralized. The local bodies have been given some action, some role to play in it. And the loan and the subsidy given through subsidized interest rate is a very significant amount of subsidy. For example, in the economically weaker section, the house, floor area limit is 30 square meters and they give something like two and a half lakhs of rupees upfront subsidy and if they've got most of the money as rent they save also in the kind of interest they have to pay most of the subsidy from the bank as a loan, the subsidy and the interest on the loan is also reduced. So there is a significant element of gain. And I think even for economically weaker section in urban areas, there may be lots of people who can afford and have this kind of a house and would love to have that. I know people who really try to buy a house on their own, even though it is far away. And even if it's from a private entrepreneur, they get taken for a ride. So I think it is important that a much more structured approach with reliable banks, loans, and other things that are available is provided. So to that extent, I think it's a very good scheme, and the ambition is certainly laudable.
1: Mentioning urban local bodies, you've correctly mentioned that there is a significant role for them, both in terms of doing the demand survey and then ensuring that the houses that are built are in line with the standards that have been set in the PM Awas Yojana guidelines. Is decentralization a very important part of the scheme both in terms not just of housing benefits but also in terms of ensuring that those houses are up to the standards in terms of other ancillary benefits like swachita, toilets, electricity, water?
0: I think it's very critical that local bodies are involved because in the first place, you need to find a place where these houses that we built. You need to make sure that the services are available, which often are under the control of, that is, water and sewer systems are available. And these connections are critical for making a house worthwhile or livable in some sense. So I think taking them into account is important. Now, as far as the construction quality is concerned, you know, when it is built by always public sector construction company, people often complain that this is a shoddy construction and so on. And there is no supervision. Nobody can say this is not done right. And this has been a part of our problem right through in our entire construction industry, that when we invite tenders for something, we are only looking at lowest cost. And there is no premium given to quality of construction. So even if a contractor builds very good quality work, he doesn't get anything extra. So therefore, it's always the lowest cost and the lowest quality comes out. And therefore, a quality supervision of all kinds, whether it is done by the PWD or it's done by a private sector contractor, it is quite important that quality assurance should be there. And I think that supervision to be done is uh, an important element of this. Because people, when they buy a house built by somebody and get something and they are very unhappy that this is not working, so on, it would create a very bad feeling, antagonism toward the whole scheme. Speaking about private sector participation,
1: one of the aspects of the scheme is that PPP model has been used to incentivize construction, especially when it comes to affordable housing. Do you see that as an obstacle in terms of incentivizing the private sector, especially because there is a major obstacle for incentivizing affordable housing in the private sector as the cost of the real estate or the land comes out to be not profitable for the private sector in the end? That is the general perception that people have in the real estate sector. Do you see that as a problem?
0: No, I think the cost of land has to be really kept in mind. I mean, you just cannot say that if you have a public sector building it, I'm giving a land as free or at a subsidized rate. And for a private sector, you say they have to get land at the market price. Then the scheme would not work. Because the main problem in housing for the poor in urban areas is that the land is not available and the cost is extremely high. So one has to provide land on somewhat a level playing field basis private and public sector, then the private sector participation can be effective and also very profitable to both buyer and the seller.
1: Which is perhaps why the government has introduced the model PPP policy which outlines options for the private sector. Talking about the scheme in particular, so under the four verticals, the slum rehabilitation with private developers, that's one, the second being affordable housing through credit link subsidies, the third being affordable housing through PPP, which we just talked about, and the fourth being beneficiary-led construction or enhancement of the houses. There are some statistics that come from the Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs, the social groups or the beneficiaries that have benefited from this scheme. So that's 5 lakh senior citizens, 2 lakh construction workers, 1.5 lakh domestic workers, 1.5 lakh artisans, and 0.63 lakh differently-abled people, 770 transgender persons and 500 leprosy patients. So with the scheme, which has such a wide expanse in terms of its beneficiaries, would you see some ancillary benefits apart from just providing the house? Because we've seen studies saying that asset ownership can be a means for social enhancement or in terms of upgrading their family's living standards. Yeah, so absolutely.
0: We'll be- but if you look at it, all these lakhs and lakhs numbers that you quoted, it will add up to maybe 10, 12 lakhs. And if I looked at some data that was last year or before last, the total houses actually delivered about 12 lakhs. So that's why I was saying that sanction is one thing and delivery is another. So if I hope that uh, once they are delivered and if you're covering all, then obviously you are going to cover people from all kinds of different classes and with different requirements for someone who is disadvantaged in one form or the other, like being senior citizen or by not having any jobs and other kind of things. Having a house in their own name is a great security. And they can even consider that, take different activities and risks they can take also in other cases, which they would not be able to take otherwise. So if you are not sure where you are living from tomorrow to day after, you really are not able to take, indulge in even petty trade or any other kind of things. It enhances that social status in some sense, and enhances this idea of their self, their self-worth, and that is very, very critical. That makes them take things and do things that they would not otherwise have done.
1: Coming to the technological aspect of this, we've seen a real-time monitoring system being developed for PMR Yojana Urban. Do you think leveraging technology is the only way that we could achieve these targets? Because not just in terms of monitoring, but once the houses are built, tracking the quality of those houses, etc., we would have to leverage technology in some manner or the other.
0: Yeah, I think this is certainly a technological plan extremely important role here because if you can get information... From all the complaints that come out of construction, or for failures, or shoddiness, or things from every building, every sort of owner of a house, you get a much very different picture about how the system is functioning. Of course, you could say you could have earlier done it by without IT and this, but it would have been very cumbersome, and the time required before the information to filter up may take a long time. Whereas here, you can just get within days. The whole idea that how many people in this, uh, what percentage of the house owners complained, whether they were built last year, year before last, or three years ago, or six months ago, all this information can be easily classified in different, different ways. And you can get a fairly good picture of where the problem lies.
1: Dr Parekh speaking about slum redevelopment vertical of this particular scheme we've seen a decadal growth rate of slums at above 30% now and the problem of urban sprawl is quite evident in many of our metros having that vertical in place in this scheme will that address the problem of urban sprawl in the coming years and the problems associated with growing slum populations including sanitation etc
0: so that is an extremely difficult uh, problem to handle in the sense I mean, if you look at slums, it isn't as if that the very poor live in slum areas. Fairly rich people with a lot of significant income live in slums in Mumbai and Delhi also, I'm sure. The reason is that they cannot find an alternative place to live. Now, the PM, Avasudna, is a way to provide this. But 1.2 crore slum population is 30% of our urban population. Is a small step in that direction. And I think to deal with slums, we have to have a very somewhat enlightened policies required. You need to set up places in urban areas, in the town planning in land allocation thing in such a way that you are saying, oh, okay, here is an area where I'm going to give sites and services and let people build their own houses, and people will build and improve that. And this has worked in many, many places. But you have to think about how you are doing it and keep in mind somewhat that you don't want urban sprawl where the need for transport and travel increases enormously, which puts another burden on your roads, on your public transport system, on pollution and everything. So you need to have this mixed mode development in urban areas. So unless we modified a strategy for urban development itself, dealing with slums is a very, very challenging task. And I think providing housing is one measure, but doing it in such a way that there is the sprawl is avoided, travel time is minimized, travel need is minimized, would be the right way of going about it.
1: My last question, Dr. Parekh, is related to the employment that the sector generates. One of the claims has been that this would generate enough employment in terms of driving construction in different areas associated with construction. So, do you think that the Avas Yojana Urban has enough potential to generate employment considering the bulge in the demographic dividend that we are seeing in India now to satisfy those requirements?
0: No, I think construction industry is you know, clearly one of the most labor-intensive industry in some sense. Therefore, any increase in construction activity would generate some employment. We really need to think in terms of also the fallouts of these, you know, people. That is, the not the fallouts, but you could say the ancillary benefits, the upstream and downstream is here. That is, house is not just bricks and mortar, facilities, tiles, lighting, etc., etc. And once people have a house, they start to begin, it's their own house and their own name and they own it then they were the whole process of gradually improving it, putting new things in it becomes. So I think that certainly stimulates a certain set type of economic activities, which are often labor-intensive. But uh, I think this 1.2 crore small housing is not a very large construction demand. So it really adds employment, but it is not going to put your economy on a fast-growing track. <laughs>
1: In addition to the 1 crore houses that have been sanctioned under the PM Avas Yojna Urban, construction on 57 lakh additional houses is underway and 30 lakh houses have been completed with an investment of over Rs 6 lakh crores, creating 1.2 crore jobs. And we hope that this will result in achieving the target of housing for all by 2022. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. You were listening to a discussion on Pradhan Mantri Avas Yojana Urban. The participants were Dr. Kirita S. former Niti Aayog member and Shantanu Pratap Singh, AIR correspondent. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website newsonair.com. You can also follow us on the News on AIR app for updates. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com. Please stand by for our next Year in the Program series in a short while from now.